Welcome to the Dynasty Junkies Podcast with your hosts, Rocky Petrella and Dustin Church. Let's get to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 17 of the Dynasty Junkies Podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict. And yes, he's back. The one and only Dustin Church, co-host extraordinaire at Dynasty Junkie FF. Dustin, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, having a week off last week. I had a, had some uh, family emergencies last week, but wasn't able to jump on. Uh, you guys had a good pod out there, but I'm excited to be back and excited for our guests. We have some amazing guests this week, so I'm, I'm ready to go. It's going to be a good one. That we do. That we do. We have the whole crew from the Dynasty Theory podcast. We got uh, JB, John Bauer. John, how you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm ready to rock and roll tonight. I know that Dan and Mitch and I were probably going to butt heads a few times here going through our tight end discussion, but I'm I'm ready to go. And we got, like you said, Mitch. Mitch, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. Thanks. And then, of course, FF coach Dan. Dan, how you doing? Pleasure to be here, guys. Fantasy football and then Lakers basketball after that. Let's Let's go. <laughs> And, and and like John mentioned, we are doing a, a everyone's favorite position, a tight end centric show tonight. Uh, but before we get into that, Dustin and John both. Uh, what, what Dustin? Why don't you tell them what, what's going on here at the beginning before we get into the football stuff? Yeah, so um, you know we we kind of got into a big old topic. I think it was a week ago. There was like six of us going back and forth about the league, and. Uh, JB and I were the only ones at the time that had seen the league. And I know uh, Rocky, you've seen it, watched a couple episodes, and Mitch, Mark, watched a couple. Mm-hmm. Dan, you said you watched some clips and stuff like that. So, what do you guys think? You guys going to keep going? Like, it's an amazing show. Yeah, Dustin I, I mean, said we all had to watch an episode, at least one episode. I actually did watch the whole first season. So, Dan, what'd you think of it? You know, I, I had a cheat first, of course, and just like the cliff notes. I watched a few clips. <laughs> and I watched, I watched Draft Day Order and the, letting, the Wedding League Trade. And I loved it. So there's some yeah. definite, definite binge watching in my future here. The wedding was, league trade is, is one of my favorite moments. Like it's just fantastic the way they pull that off. It's, it's I not during my wedding, but this is a true story. As I'm up at the altar during our rehearsal dinner, I actually pulled off a trade <laughs> in the middle of our rehearsal. Um, I, I didn't tell my wife that night, but I told her after the fact, but luckily everything went off without a hitch. So she wasn't too upset. Man, you got more balls than I do. I would never think like <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I never say anything like that. I pulled off a trade during the rehearsal. Um, more power to you. But uh, yeah, that 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 episode is is fantastic. Yeah, I watched the first episode and it was really good because Leslie Bibb was on it. So I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> and then she wasn't on anymore. But you guys told me she's on in future episodes, so I will keep watching for that reason solely. <laughs> Dustin, yes, what did you th- what do you think about the last se- uh, season? I did. I was not a huge fan of the last season. Up until about season like five, I thought it was good, and then season six and seven got kind of yeah. Uh, six yeah. was okay. Seven was there was there was a lot of back end stuff that was happening that I, I kind of read about afterwards. But season seven was just kinda, eh, like I watched it just to finish. But like, yep, you know yep. that that was about it. Um, I am going through and rewatching the entire series. I've Almost through season four again. I'll see if seven was as bad as I remember it being. But other than that, the rest of it was pretty great. What do you think, Rocky? 
Yeah, I watched all season one. I, I enjoyed it pretty much. I'm not as enamored with it as I think you and John are, but maybe it gets better as it goes along. But no, it's good. And I, I, I mentioned some of the one of the things that I was like, why I didn't watch in the first place is that they would get the fantasy stuff wrong. And it, it was mostly pretty good there. It's a little weird seeing a five person draft in the first episode. And and uh, at one point they're trading Tory Holt and Fred Jackson for for Peyton Manning, but I guess that can be forgiven back in two thousand nine or whatever it was. But but overall it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty cool. They had some you know players on. They had Terry Bradshaw on in the first season, so I liked it. I'll oh, yeah. keep watching. Later in the season they get like uh, uh, Antonio Gates, Chad Ochocinco. They have Jordan Cameron and Cameron Jordan on the same episode. Yeah, I heard and they about make that. And like figure out which one's which. So that <laughs> that's pretty fantastic because <laughs> he always keeps mixing them up. Um, but yeah, that's I love it. It's it's just something you can just watch and pass the time without having to like get too in, in deep into it. Yeah, it's yeah. not too much of a thinker. No, yeah. not at all. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think I like the the raunchy comedy a little better than I like the football stuff. But that, I think the football stuff is just there to get to the raunchy comedy. So, um, but anyway, we'll get into our fantasy face off this week. Fantasy face off, and of course, it's going to be tight end related because, like we said, it's a tight end centric show. And we went with uh, Noah Fant versus T.J. Hawkinson this week. Two second-year tight ends. Uh, a lot of people are really high on them in Dynasty. And uh, we polled it as usual, 1,270-plus votes. And it came out 53-47 in favor of Hawk on Twitter. Uh, although Fan has the higher ADP per DLF. Uh, he's tight end 7, where Hawk's tight end 9. So um, normally I'd go around and ask everybody what they think. And I, I actually know who everyone has higher because for a later segment of the show, we all have to do ranks. And... Everyone but me has fan higher than Hawk, I believe. So uh, I'm going to give my case for Hawk, and, and then you guys you guys can argue with me why I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> so basically, I, I kind of think people think that um, that Hawkinson that Fant had a much better season than Hawkinson did last year, which it, I don't really think he did. If you if you look at his line, if you prorate it out, it's basically just the injuries are a factor. Fant had a nice end of season, but wasn't as good overall, I think, as some people think. Uh, I, I, the pro rated line for Hawk is 42, 489 yards, three touchdowns, and fans 45, 62, and three. Uh, Hawk finished as a tight end in six of his 12, tight end one in six of his 12 games. Fant finished as a tight end one in seven of his 16. So Hawk's actually got a you know, slightly better percentage there. So they were pretty similar. I, I believed in the talent of Hawk more coming in. They're both really close, but. Uh, I don't see anything major to, to make me, and especially because, and I've been saying this generally about the Denver offense in general outside of Locke, I have a little bit of worry about all those guys. I, I mean, all of them are good. Judy's good. Sutton's good. Vance's good. But they're they're all good. So that's the problem. It's, it's where, how these targets going to be divided up. I see a little bit of a, more of a path for Hawkinson, to, especially with uh, I think Jones is going to be out of there next year for, for a better path for for more targets and be a bigger part of the offense than Fant going forward, especially because all those guys around Fant are all young and going to be there for years. So who's going to tell me I'm wrong? <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in. I'll, I'll, I'll throw the first punch here. And I, I think all of us, like we see Fant and Hawkinson as these really strong dynasty tight ends. We all have them. I'm pretty sure in our top 12 and then most people do. But when you look at Noah Fant, Pat Shermer coming in as the offensive coordinator 
and look at what he did with Evan Ingram in New York. And then when he was an offensive coordinator in Minnesota, Kyle Rudolph saw 80 plus targets. And that was Kyle Rudolph, who is a solid tight end, but he doesn't have the athletic measurables that a Noah Fant has. And then for TJ Hawkinson, you talk about looking at his stats and if you would extrapolate it out over the season, one third of his receiving yards came in one game, the very first game of the season. So if, I mean, yeah, I always hate to look at a player and say, yeah, well, if we remove that one game or that one stat, because then it's like, okay, well, what do you include? But I, I just think too much of that there came in that first week of the season. And for me, I, I was Noah Fant over TJ Hawkinson post-draft last year. I liked the landing spot in Denver. Rich Scangarello was there. I thought he was going to bring over a lot of things from San Francisco as the offensive coordinator. But again, even with Pat Shermer coming in, I'm still on board with Noah Fant. And it, in recent reports, it sounds like TJ Hawkinson, he, he still has some lingering issues there and he's not a hundred percent. So when I'm not going to knock him too much from a dynasty perspective for that, but we all know that dynasty, even though it's long-term, the short-term outcomes really play a big role. And TJ Hawkinson, I don't see him really going off here in 2020. And because of that, I'm still leading Noah fan. And I think you could, you could um, move him for TJ Hawkinson plus now for the, in, in some leagues. And then as the season progresses as well. Yeah, and I see your point about the, the that one big game. That that is a factor. Uh, but like I said, he did finish tight end one as a tight end one in, in half of his game. So and and uh, had almost as many double digit point games in tight end premium as Rocky. Uh, you could have finished as a tight end one with some of these tight ends that have put up numbers. Come on. Yeah, but Fant Fant didn't any more than Hawkinson did. So. <laughs> Mitch, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, I was just going to bring up um, on the Hawkinson still injured thing. All the news that came out today is it looked like he had a great practice and nothing was holding him back. So I think the health concern is kind of slowly going away. But Hawkinson is a better tight end than Noah Fant. He's a more complete player than Noah Fant. But the only reason why I have Noah Fant a little bit higher than Hawkinson is because I think he's just going to get a little bit more opportunity in the receiving game. That's the only reason. And then when a lot of people look at what tight end they want, they're just going to look at the stats. They're going to be like, hey, this guy had 50 receptions and this guy had 45, so I'm going to go with Fan over him. So I think public perception is going to have Fan a little bit higher, so that's why I have him just a little bit higher in my rankings as well. That's coming from a Detroit Lions fan there too, so that's that's a statement. Uh, Rocky, though, I like your conviction. You know, I mean, full disclosure, I was TJ Hawkinson out of draft day. Mm -hmm. Uh but I, I'm losing my conviction, which is JB and Mitch knows this. That's not like me. I normally bust those guys when they don't when they don't have it. Uh, but there's just something not feeling right. You know, maybe it's Dan, you know, that's called take lock when you can't change your opinion when new information <laughs> comes out. Just so you know. Oh, here we go. You're, you're bringing up another argument. Now, I, I, I am to your point, JB. I, I am I am swaying based on the, the eye test here. You know, I'm a film guy. I'm like an analytical guy, and I just I like the flashes I see in a fan. I think both offenses are constructed kind of similarly, Rocky. I I think they both have a one-two punch at receiver. You know, maybe there's a little more upside in Denver. You know, a Judy compared to a Marvin Jones, but you know, they, they all got weapons. But I think at this point, you know, in, in your argument with Hawkinson, I think Stafford's going to have a little more free reign to sling it a little bit, maybe a little more upside in the passing game this year. But I'm just not feeling it with the injuries, even to Mitch's point, even if it's, you know, early reports are good. I'm just, I need to see more of Hawkinson before I switch. Right now, I'm Noah fan. I have him in my top 12, whether it's Dynasty or Redraft. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, 
And I do want to say one more thing. I was just looking at our projections that Mitch and I put together, and we have them really close together here in 2020. It's not like there's a huge separation. We have Noah Fan edging Hawkinson out. But I, I just, I honestly, I can't see based on what's going on in Detroit. And I think the improvement in the run game and the involvement in DeAndre Swift and then Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones being there. And you look at Denver and I think the number of passing attempts and targets to go around, there's a lot more in Detroit. Let's be honest here. But I think it's going to be funneled a little bit more towards fan. I think he's going to have an opportunity, but again, outside of this show, Rocky, if you told me, hey, I want Hawkinson, I don't think I'd sit there and argue with you. <laughs> yeah, and to dance, but I mean, I can't ding a guy too much for, for a poor first year, especially a tight end. You don't you don't really see them bust out too much. And like I said, I mean, it's not like Fant went gangbusters either. Um, but before we move on, Dustin, any, any thoughts on these two guys? No, I mean, I really have them pretty much back-to-back -back in my rankings. Um, I want whichever is cheaper when it comes down at the end of the day. Whichever one is the cheaper for me to buy is who I want. Um, but if I have to pick, I'm going – I'm probably right there with you, Rocky on Hawkinson. I just think <clears> – I think he's going to be more involved in that passing game. I just think, you know, there's not a tight end behind him. Like, I know they took Albert O, and I'm not really worried about Albert O, but, like, they took another tight end, and they have – I just think that I can see Hawkinson taking a lot of targets from Marvin Jones, especially since Marvin Jones isn't on the field and they don't really have a number three. Um, I, I love Cephas. And I think he could evolve into that, but I just think the path to targets for Hawkinson is there. And you know, I had him over paint last year and I'm sticking to it. I can't no, believe the Danny Amendola hate, right? Wow. Preach JB preach a, a living legend. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Dustin, I, I convinced you it, 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 that me and, and Twitter are right. It is Hawk. Yeah, I was really surprised to see those results on Twitter because mm -hmm. I bet you, me like, too. if you tried, like, in all my leagues that I see, like, fan is well above Hawkinson. Like, you're not going to be able to get, like, anything added to Hawkinson. For, you'd have to add to Hawkinson to get fan in all the leagues I'm seeing. So, I was really surprised to see that. I mean, it's 53 47, and it's basically right down the middle. But I was surprised to see that Twitter, like, Fan blew up at the end of last year, just value wise and in um, value wise, and everyone just loved him at the end of the last year. And so I was really surprised to see that because there hasn't been any good news on Hawkinson. Like nothing's really changed from from his value from the end of last year to to put him above fans. Yeah, but it's a little surprising to me too. But uh, good discussion all around, and uh, obviously Hawk is the guy to go with. So <laughs> we'll move on to our commissioner corner. Yeah, Rocky does things like I was talking about this before the show, guys. He just kind of does his own thing, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities with JB. So now, uh, Dustin, we Mitch and I know what you're going through. Right? Yeah, so maybe we start our own show and then you know, Rocky like and JB it. do their own thing. Okay, there you go. <laughs> they would butt heads. They would butt heads. <laughs> But we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll move on to the commissioner corner portion of the show. Commissioner corner. Again, going into a tight end uh, centric topic here, which is, um, you know, what we do in leagues as commissioners to try and elevate that tight end position because after the, the you know, the top three or four, usually it's so weak, which is, uh, I wanted to talk about tight end premium and, and also two tight end. I know some people hate two tight end, um, 
what do you guys think? Does it elevate the position the way the way we want it to? Is it is it worthwhile to do? Uh, Mitch, what do you think? It okay. So it does and it doesn't. If you have a one point five premium for tight ends, I don't think it helps any of them, but the top three. You know, it's going to help Ertz because he gets a ton of receptions. Same thing with Kelsey and Kittle. It doesn't help the other ones. In my opinion, I think you need at least 1.75 or 2.0 because what you want is you want the Jack Doyles to somehow be a flex start some weeks. 1.5, Jack Doyle should never be a flex start unless you have an absolutely horrible football team. But at 2.0 premium, then all of a sudden you could go, you know, I could start Jack Doyle over D.D. Westbrook this week. And I just think that's the big thing is 1.5 isn't nearly enough, but... And then the other question is on the two tight end leagues. I'm only in one of those right now. And the problem is no one will trade them. So they have a lot of value, but no one will move them in those leagues. So although they have a ton of value, you can't ever get one. So maybe the value's there. Yeah. And I totally agree with you on the premium thing. I think if you're going to do tight end premium, um, I'm in some leagues where I did make it 1.5 a couple years ago. I think it needs to be higher. Uh, me and Dustin have talked about this before. I think once you get into the 1.75, 2.0 range, then then you're really making those guys flex worthy. Uh, I mean, like you said, like a Doyle, if he goes like four for 40, that's like 11 points. So, I mean, that's a, that's a mediocre game, but it's, 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 it makes him a worthy start because that's what he's going to do a lot of weeks. Uh, what do you guys think about uh, a higher premium, uh, Dan? I'll just touch on it. I mean, I think Mitch hit it. I've listened to a lot of Mitch's takes on tight ends. He's he's made me more cognizant of what I should be looking at. Uh, but, you know, 1.5, I would say, just makes it to the point of being relevant versus me punting the position. So I am paying attention a little more. But when we get to 2.0, I have a specific tight end plan that we'll talk a little bit more when we kick in a strategy after this. JB? Yeah, I – go ahead, JB. Yeah, for me, I mean, I agree to an extent, and you see the argument all the time on Twitter, does it actually make the position more relevant and stronger from top to bottom? For the most part, I mean, the 1.5 PPR premium, yeah, it's still tough to put some of those guys in a flex spot, but then anytime you add these premiums, 1.5, 1.75, 2 PPR, of course it's going to make those top guys stronger, and that's the big issue that people have with it. And people have the same issue with Superflex for quarterbacks. Well, here's the thing, guys. If you know that's what's happening, you need to adjust your strategy. And I think people, they, they get stuck in their way. I have a friend that, yes, one friend. I have one friend. He, <laughs> he won't play in full PPR leagues. Oh, that makes wide receivers too valuable. Man, and I'll say his name, Franco. If you're listening to this, adjust your strategy, man. But, you know, I, I think that's kind of the situation here. So if you look at 1.5 PPR tight end 18 last year, who in a typical league you're not going to start in your lineup, was the equivalent of wide receiver 52. Now you're talking in possible flex play there because if you're starting three receivers, you have bye weeks, and that wide receiver 50 range, those are guys that are going to be a flex option some weeks, especially with you know everything going on this season. And then in a typical PPR league, the tight end 18 was the equivalent of wide receiver 70. So you do see that slight bump and going to the two tight end leagues again people they've done research they have all the numbers well this is actually how much it impacts but for me if i'm in a two tight end league i look to attack the position early and often and just like mitch said i'm in a two tight end league i have austin hooper and travis kelsey 
I'm not moving them unless you're giving me the world, you know, and it's crazy to, to look at it and see the trades I've turned down because I don't want to move them, but that's just how it is. I would much rather be more comfortable and have safer options at tight end than, sorry, we'll throw Jack Doyle under the bus again, than having to rely on him on a weekly basis if it's a typical PPR, but you have to start two tight ends. Yeah, I think the two yeah. tight end does make a big difference, maybe even more so than the premium. I'm in a couple two tight end leagues, one of which I run in that league. I know it, everybody there pays. They have moved because it's just a bunch of crazy trade addict kind of guys. But uh, it takes so much to like I see them all the time and I'm like, I can't believe that guy got that much for that tight end. Uh, I do have Andrews there, so I'm very grateful for that. I think I got him in the startup. But uh yeah, I think the two tight end might might elevate them even more. I, and I, I so like I said, I know I think uh, we had Scott Fish on here before. I know I think he said he hates two tight end leagues, and you pretty much need a top five guy to win in a two tight end league. Uh, Dustin, I know we've talked about premiums before. What's what's your thought on two tight ends? So um, two tight end league, I I don't think that so a two tight end league, I don't think is is really. Two tight end and a 2.0, like, or a tight end premium, are, I think are completely different. A two tight end, it's bumping the value because you have to start two, not because, like, they're more valuable from a scoring standpoint. Like, you're, you have to start two, so all the tight ends are going to be drafted. Now, you've kind of brought me around on the tight end premium part of it. Um, I was a big believer that the, the the premium really only elevated the top guys from – from the rest of the guys. So like the top three or four, like they got elevated up, but then the other guys were still kind of down there. But like your example of Jack Doyle, like 11 points, like that's, that's a good start. You know, um, it's nice to so, see you see in the light, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is two things in a row. It seems like Dustin. Chang I know. I, know. Like, it, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. Um, but like, I, I was in, I just started a league this year and I was torn between if I want to do a two tight end or a 2.0 tight end premium. I did a 2.0 instead because I, I do think that'll help those other tight ends become flex worthy starters for you versus a two tight end. You have to start two. Like, so I, I, I made a deal yesterday that I probably wouldn't have done in another league, but I traded Tyler Lockett for TJ Hawkinson, but we're in a 2.0 tight end premium. So like on that, like I'm not going to be able to buy him if he starts producing mm-hmm. at all. So, um, but it, yeah, it does make those, those other guys like the, the tight end 12 through 18 or whatever they're like, now they're flex worthy starts for you. So stockpiling those guys, like people won't realize that until after the draft. So you can yep. stockpile those guys in the draft and then you have all your flex starts for the whole season and you're good to go. Just like with Superflex or two quarterback leagues, I love anything, and we've talked about this constantly, that gets you away from the chalky values. Because if you're in a one-quarterback league, no premium, everybody has a general idea of how positions and players should be valued. But then once you start throwing in these premiums and Superflex, two quarterback, two tight end, the values get so wonky, and that's when you can really, I think, take advantage, especially in startups. How the heck did this guy slip to round four? Well, 15 quarterbacks and seven tight ends went in the first three rounds, you know, so just being able to gauge that value, I think it gives you an advantage if you do your research and you put the time in. Right. And I just, I actually just, we did a, so I did a solo pod last week on here talking about super flex strategy. And again, that's why I love it. I, I, I pushed in that pod 
to say that, you know, we don't need to necessarily draft him early, but I love that it gives them more value because, because you can take advantage of that and, and, uh, work it. So, oh, sorry. uh, <laughs> sorry, we're, we're in the middle of an FFPC draft and we have two co-owners and we're on the clock back to back. So I was showing Mitch, like, look at your phone. I know. I was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> I know. I was yeah. like, what am I missing here? Secret <laughs> messages. Don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, we'll go on now, though, to the Dynasty strategy portion of the show. Dynasty strategy. And obviously, we're going to talk some tight end strategy. So uh, we do have, like I said, some rankings going on here. But before that, we're going to get into general strategy. And uh, the actual idea for this show came from here and Mitch. Uh, talk about. Uh, tight ends on fantasy timeline and how he likes to go early tight end, uh, which is something I also like to do for the exact uh, kind of for the exact reason I don't like to go early quarterback. Whereas after after the top few, there's a whole bunch of guys who still score pretty well and it's kind of flat from like like six to twenty. Whereas at tight end, you almost always have your your top three to four guys, and then it drops off a cliff. Is that basically what you're thinking, Mitch? That's exactly exactly it. After you get past, you know, Mahomes and Lamar, there's 15 quarterbacks I'm okay playing each week. But tight ends, there's four or five that I'm going into it each week being like, yeah, I'm going to start him. And then you could give me someone like Hunter Henry. I'm not feeling great about Hunter Henry every week, even though pretty much everyone has him as a top eight tight end. But you give me Kelsey Kittle or Andrews, then yeah, then I'm feeling great every week. So like you said, that's who I want, Dan can throw his flag all he, all he wants, but getting that position, we got the challenge flag on Dynasty Junkies here. Dude, getting I, that positional value is huge, and you yeah. have it every week over everybody. I, I agree with Mitch's philosophy, but Mitch, here's the question for you, and this is why I throw the challenge flag. Mm-hmm. Would you rather Hunter Henry or get stuck at the running back position and have to deal with like a Sony Michelle or uh you know, pick the guy in that range, carry on Johnson. At least, you know, Henry's starting. He's out there. He's there every week. I mean, I'm not going to fade running back early to go premium on tight end and get stuck with some running back that I don't feel good at all about. I can see how you're not like super confident with Henry. If you could get a kitty Kittle or Kelsey, or we all know the, the big dogs, but I'm okay with Hunter Henry. At least there's upside versus some all of right. those running backs. If I sleep on that position. So I, I'm in a startup right now as a co-owner, right? I took Kittle over Ezekiel Elliott. My running backs are still Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, and David Johnson. I'm completely okay with that because I have George Kittle in the 2.0 PPR league every single week for the next five or six years. I don't know if I'm going to have Zeke for the next three years. Yeah, I was I'm, I was actually in a crazy startup last year that was a two tight end and 2.0 premium. I, I took Kelsey at 104 in that league last year. So I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, John, what's your, what's your general tight end strategy going into startups, trading, things like that. Mitch and I, we co-own a lot of lead or co-own a lot of teams in different leagues. And so a lot of them, they're the Scott fish safe league. So it is the two PPR and our strategies line up very nicely. So once we get in that one Oh six, one Oh seven range, we're okay. Snap, you know, uh, uh, drafting a player like George Kittle and then even early second, maybe a player like Travis Kelsey. But I actually, I like to take multiple higher end tight ends in those leagues. And there's a few reasons. One, yes, it gives you the positional advantage. You're having a George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and it's two PPR. So that's a significant advantage. But not only that, when you take multiple tight ends, 
you're able, you're more than comfortable flexing another tight end. Like a, you know, if you have a George Kittle and Hunter Henry, let's say, but then you're taking away one of the available available options that the other teams in your league can choose from. So now while I have George Kittle at my tight end, Hunter Henry, my flex, who still was getting the two PPR, there's, there's somebody like Mitch who waited on tight end. He's stuck with somebody that, again, he's forced to play in the tight end position. So it's kind of like a double whammy in my my favor, I feel like. So two PPR, even down to 1.5 PPR, I'm targeting tight ends. And th- there's leagues where I have a Kittle, Hooper, Waller, um, Ingram. Like I, I'll have three or four high-end tight ends. And that's the way I like to build my teams. And I think it does give that advantage. Now, one thing I will say, the way the tight end position is, and it seems like you're getting a lot of tight ends that are, you know, more athletically inclined now, but it also seems like injuries are rising for the position. It's not our grandfather's tight end who is a bruiser, you know, looking at like a heck. I mean, Ben Coates for the Patriots back in the day, he was a big guy, you know, these guys that are on the field, but now you're having these athletically gifted guys. Like I said, you're asking them to block as well and injuries are rising. So that's another reason I've, I've had teams where I had one strong tight end. There was an injury and then I got stuck playing my man, Vance McDonald. And we all know how that went last year. So it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good at all. I'm with you there. I, I was all in on Vance McDonald last year. So, um, Dustin, your general tight end strategy. Yeah. So I, I'm right there with Dan. Like I don't like, to, I'm not going to pass on any of those running backs or wide receivers in, in the first three rounds. That's just personally, I like to build as much depth and stud potent studs at those positions. And then when I get to rounds eight plus, I just grab a whole bunch of high upside tight ends. Um, like, and like, I'm the, I'm the type, like I will wait until they hit and then I'll pay extra instead of like not, and instead of letting them die on my roster, like, so I, I'm, there's just, it seems like there's every year there's Titans that come out of nowhere. So I just take a whole bunch of them and I'll buy later on. I don't, I don't invest in the early Titan strategy and I've never had an issue with it. Um, I've never been, not been able to get a tight end when I've needed one. Now I haven't had one of those studs really ever on my team to see what my team makeup would have been, but like, I'm I'm a guy that's I'm always constantly trading, so I can always I know I can always get those guys that I like, but I never I don't want to pass on those that, that early talent because I think it's it's harder to get running backs and wide receivers than it is to get tight ends. Personally, one thing I will say to that though, Dustin, you look at these rookie classes that come in year in year out. There's always typically more running backs and wide receivers that are going to produce earlier in their career, so you can start to backfill those position in the rookie drafts. But tight end. Yeah, Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, really exciting prospects, but they're not quite Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. So I would love to lock down that position for three years. That's just me, though. That's the point I was yeah. going to make is that it is it is hard to get running back, but it's also hard to get elite tight ends if you're not drafting them in the startup. They, they, they also tend to – it tends to be the same few guys for a while. You know, it's Gronk for a while. It's it's Ertz for a while. It's, you know, all those guys, Gates and Gonzalez for a while. It seems to be the same guys over and over again, which is another reason I like to take them early because I think they're more predictable than most of the quarterbacks as well. No, I, and I agree that like, it, it's always the same guys and like, you're not able to buy them, but like, you know, in most leagues out there now, I know Rocky, you and I are in a lot that are different than this, but like, you only start one tight end. You're going to start 
like you're required to start two or three running backs and wide receivers. So like, that's why I want to fill my position, fill my team with those positions because, you know, if I need to start three wide receivers and then by weeks and injuries, like the, just the amount of value I need to have and the amount of startable pieces I need to have on my team at wide receiver is harder to get than it does with tight ends. Like I can get serviceable tight ends and I can get three, four of them that I can start and, you can't always get that a wide receiver and running back. I want to add something, and I might age myself here a little bit, but yeah, I've always loved the tight end position. You know, I used to love the Shannon Sharps, the Tony Gonzalez's, and want to hop on those guys. But it just feels, and tight end premium is a big reason for it. It just feels like too rich for me sometimes. And, you know, if we're talking too tight end, you know, 2 0 premium, like you mentioned, Rocky, heck, I'd be taking Kittle at 104 as well. But if it's not 2.0, and even at 2.0, it really depends where I'm picking in the pecking order. You know, if it's in the back end of the first, no doubt about it. If someone slides to the early second, awesome. But, you know, it just gets a little rich for me. And I look at my rosters, you know, all five of us have done a ton of drafts this offseason. I seem to have like three different roster constructions. There's those, you know, couple that for me, and I know from watching JB and Mitch, they probably have a little bit more. You know, I have a couple where Kittle and Kelsey were at the right price point and I hopped on it. But if it wasn't the right price point, the rest of my rosters are either one of two ways. It's Andrews, Waller, Ertz, maybe Ingram. I have a couple of gambles there where I try to get one of those guys that at least I think have the potential to be a number one, and I make sure I get two guys with upside after. But then there's even a couple of leagues where tight end went really crazy, and I may have missed on those. So then I'm getting three upside guys and just kind of loading up on the position a little bit more. So that's kind of how it's, it's falling for me. It really depends where those elite guys are going. Nobody's and saying not- nobody's saying you have to walk away with the Kittle or Kelsey if the price isn't right. There's plenty of teams I have that don't have either of those two tight ends. So I I agree with Dan in that regard. But you're you're throwing out names like Ingram Waller. Those are still high end tight ends. It's not like you're fading the position. True. Yeah, so I'm just, uh, go ahead, Dan. I'm just thinking for the listeners, you know, it's it really is dependent on where you're picking in the draft and kind of how it falls. Every draft is different. And there's a big difference if you're in those 106, 107, 108 versus the end of the first round and how things fall. Yeah, so I'm pulling up the stats in my my 2.0 league. So last year in a points per game, Kittle or uh, Kelsey was number 15 overall in a points per game. Like you're taking him at 104, but he's like, uh, producing at a player 15 value like you need him to hit every year to take him at that spot and like that's just what i'm seeing like you know and if you only have to start one tight end yes the premium still helps but like you know taking him in the uh, top half of the first round and he's producing like and he had a fantastic year last year and he still produced at a 15 clip on the points per game basis like that's why i'm 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 willing to i'm okay taking those later tight ends and building those those stud positions elsewhere um, and let the value fall to me later. Wait, really quick. So, because I'm looking here and in two, you said that one was two PPR? It's a 2.0 PPR and it is a 0.25 uh, points per carry league. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, because just looking in the safe leagues, the only position players that were above him in two PPR were McCaffrey and Michael Thomas. And then it came to Travis Kelsey. He was actually number nine in this. But again, once you start including like the 0.25 PPC, mm-hmm. the difference well, in the quarterback this, scoring. 
So in this scoring, he was still the number three position player outside of quarterback, but like it's still a super flex league as well. Like I'm like I would much more rather take maybe a, a quarterback up there, but like he was the number three like position player scoring. So when I was saying number fifteen, I was including the quarterbacks there. But like even then, like producing that, even if you take the quarterbacks out of it and you took him at one oh four and he produced at number three, like that's his ceiling. Like it's it's tough to like repeat that on a year in, year out basis. That you know, I'm I, I just want to get a whole bunch of flyers later on when I only have to start one. That's just that's where I'm at. So I just heard his ceiling's better than Ezekiel Elliott's ceiling. How did I for that? See, for me though, I, I get looking at it that way, but it's the value over replacement, the position that gets me. Because now, in let me pull, or you might have it up. What was like tight end eight in that format, in that scoring format? Let me pull it up really quick. So tight end eight was so Kelsey was twenty two point eight points a game, and Hunter Henry was sixteen point seven. So it's about a six point difference right. per week. So and it, well, first of all, I I'm not advocating you take Travis Kelsey one hundred four in any startup. You know, especially Kelsey, even Kittle, I still wouldn't take at one hundred four. Um, I saw somebody last year in a two PPR take Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey at 102 and 103 back to back picks. They moved up into the the double tight end. But yeah, I just I mean as long as you're coming away with some high end tight ends, and that could be down to the like I, I see Waller, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram. I'm okay with those guys. I'm even okay with an Austin Hooper, but I'm not okay going, even though people love him, like a Chris Herndon, Mike Gesicki. Ian Thomas is my top tight end in a premium league. That, but again, that that's just me. And yeah, John, what I'll you, usually do is I'll get like a Hunter Henry, like in like that eighth, ninth round, and then I'll take another like Goddard or Gasecki. So I have another upside as my high upside as my second tight end. So I, I have two that I can start, and I feel confident about, confident about that that I can make up the value elsewhere. Now I've never done the early tight end, so I can't speak from the other side of it. Like what has and hasn't worked for me, but you have to try it. You haven't lived until you try it. I'm with you, John. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do a startup. So let's do a new league right now. And, and you guys may have okay. answered this question. <laughs> Mitch is itching um, for one. Just the other strategy question I was going to ask is just that, uh, you know, everybody, a lot of people say that you, you should go either the high tight end like we're talking about or or just punt the position entirely. And that's what I was wondering if any of you guys like to dip into those middle tier tight ends. The Evan Ingrams, the Hunter Henry. It sounds like you do do that sometimes, Dustin. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want to go completely just punting the tight end because I still like, you know, there's you can still find value there. But like it gets really gross really quickly. Like it's not like zero RB like. Going zero tight end is, is like it's a roller coaster of emotions and just like, being able to field a team. Um, so I don't like I like I still want one of the top eight guys to to leave uh, to start my team with. But, but you're more going towards that end of the top eight guys. Yeah. And and John, it sounds like you're dipping into that tier sometimes as you you mentioned like in the draft multiple you know higher end tight ends. Only if it's like a tight end premium. Now, if it's a typical PPR or 0.5 PPR, I'm okay. And I'm looking at the rankings here. I'm okay holding off a little bit longer going Irv Smith, Hayden Hurst, Joe New Smith. And if there's no premium, those guys will slip 
pretty far in the draft. Um, you know, so those are guys I think have the upside that could make a splash. Um, but yeah, if there's a premium, I'm perfectly okay with that six to 10 range as well. Yeah. But if it's not two Oh premium, I mean, there comes that sweet spot in the draft where there are some really nice receivers that could break out and I'm just not settling for, you know, Higby, Hurst, Fant, John, who earned it, whoever the tight end is when you could get Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, like those big upside guys, they're, they're, there's too much upside to pass up. So I'm going to get them. And then I guess when you say punting tight end, to me, punting tight end is those tight ends do slide after the first five or six. And you could end up with a roster still with Higby, Fant, Goddard, Gusecki. I mean, you get three or four of them and you're still okay at the tight end position. Someone's going to pan out for you. They better. Yeah. And like, so my, like, and he, he's brought up a whole bunch of good names. Like, there's always every year there's tight ends that just come out of nowhere that start producing that. Like I, that's what I was talking about earlier. Like I'll buy those guys. Then like Waller was not on no teams last year. And like, I'll blow my, I'll blow my fab to get a guy like that. And then I'm, then I'm good at tight end. Like, but only having to start one, like I can find a tight end somewhere. Like I know that I can find one. I'm not, I know I'm not going to get the elite guys, but I'm not trying to get the elite guys. Like there's always going to be a tight end that comes out of nowhere. Like even Hooper a couple of years ago, like we love Hooper the last couple of years, but he came out of nowhere. Like, you know, so like, and Hurst now goes to a good situation. Like you, he was on waivers everywhere. So like, it just seems like there's always tight ends becoming available. So I don't want to pigeonhole myself and t- when I only have to start one by taking one early. This is also how people way overpay for Trey Burton. Like they did three years ago. Remember he was going to go to Chicago. He's going to be awesome. That's why we overpaid for Beth McDonald last year. Cause look at all these vacated targets. They have to throw on the ball. So there's like, I would love to say I completely agree because I do think in non-premium leagues, you should probably fade. But in the only non-premium startup I had this year, I traded up in the first round to get George Kittle. <laughs> I'm completely okay with it. It was, it was the wrong move. I don't recommend it, but it's George Kittle. So I just kind of have to get him on every team. And on a yearly basis, I think tight end and quarterbacks pretty similar like quarterback, the the fantasy community, we're terrible at looking at it year after year and saying, okay, these are the top 12 quarterbacks. Yeah, we can we can say, okay, the, the top five, they're going to be in there somewhere. But if you look at the draft position compared, and this is redraft, but the draft position compared to the end of year rankings, we're really bad at it as a community. And I feel like tight end is very similar. Yes, we know George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, they're going to be there. But that 7 to 12 range... It very well could be the same guys that are going twelve to eighteen or eighteen to twenty-four. We're just we're not good at it. So that seems like a very good segue into discussing rankings. <laughs> <laughs> so, the five, I had more to say, Rocky. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we can keep going. <laughs> so the five of us, I asked the guys to all give me their, their top twelve dynasty rankings for tight ends. Uh, put them all together, averaged it out, and we came up with the top 12. Uh, I'm going to give you guys, the listeners, the, the, that top 12, and then I, I got some questions for the guys about the rankings. So uh, the top 12, and no surprise, it's Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, one, two, three. Uh, Engram comes in at four. Five is Ertz. Six is Austin Hooper, which surprised me a little. Seven, Waller. Eight, Henry. Nine, Fant. Ten, Higby. 11 Hawkinson and 12 Goddard. Uh, before I go on, I, like I said, I do have some questions about you guys' individual ranks. Any surprises on that list to you guys? 
I really, I, I don't think I had Irv Smith in the top 12, but I do think just looking at it, he's 22 years old. He should be in the top 12, but I don't even think I had him in the top 12. He's just he someone didn't. that should <laughs> be there, you know, but, but he, uh, but I don't have him there, but I should drop someone else down and put him in there. Who, who are you going to drop out there? And I love Irv Smith, but I, I think it's fair. If you would tell me you have him 10, 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. 14, 15, I wouldn't bat an eye, but who are you bumping down? I would probably have, I would have to drop it pretty far, but happy Hunter Henry. Cause all the rest of the guys that have a hard time dropping out, but Irv Smith's 22 Hunter Henry had one good year. I mean, one great year as a rookie. I mean, unbelievable touchdown year as a rookie, but since then he's been elevated because he had that rookie year. You're, so not, you're not going to drop Hunter Henry out of your top 12, but no, but, I'm not, but Hank, I'm not, but that's he, what I'm saying. Hunter Henry had a good year. Higby had a good couple games. When and it's going to continue. Other, it's going to continue. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yes, when, 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 whenever guys are hurt, high Higby. Higby had three or four <laughs> games. So like, the same excuse you're using for, for Hunter Henry, you have to apply to Higby. Um, I didn't have uh, – I, I was the one that had Irv in my, in my um, at number 12. I, I just – I think he's going to take over this year, and I, I love him. But I think like everybody in the community seems to love Irv. So I think we're going to see him like get too high in value because everybody like, I've talked to in the dynasty community loves Irv Smith. And I think you could see that jump this year too. I mean, with uh, there's not many receiving options there that, that cousins can depend on. We don't know what Jefferson, I mean, we all love, most of us love Jefferson and, and think he has a high floor as a rookie, but it's basically just uh, Kyle Rudolph, who you know, whatever, and and then Thielen, and and then Irv is there from last year. I could see him making that jump in year two, um, you know, just based on you know the continuing uh, presence there and the, the trust from from Cousins. For me, Irv Smith is one of those players, and there's so many players that fit in this category. But if you're in a startup, you're probably getting him in that. 13, 14, 15 range. But once somebody drafts him or if it's an existing league, you're not getting him at that price. It, you're, you're not. The entire group that, just nodded when he yeah, said right, that. Right, right. <laughs> it's that same thing. Like, you know, like people don't pay up for quarterbacks in the startup, but then like you can't buy him in a super flex. Same thing. Yep. Yeah, Irv was that guy in many of these drafts when we talked about punting before. You know, if I didn't get those elite ones, I was making sure Irv Smith was going to land on my roster somewhere and not with hopes of carrying me this year. Like the opportunity is there, Rocky, I think as we talk about that Minnesota offense. But even if he doesn't develop fully this year, if he's like my tight end three, I'm excited about what he's going to do next year and the year after. So I think you have to have him if you don't get those big guys. Yeah, no, I don't think Rudolph probably – Rudolph I think is gone after this year, isn't he? Or he has an out after this year, I'm pretty sure, like – I think there's an out. He it was restructured though, and I think they extended him. Um, but yeah, and, yeah. and a lot of either, tight ends hit till year three or four. So yeah, I, even if it's not this year, I'm I'm still high on Irv, and I expect we'll see progression, even if it's not like Mark Andrews' second year or Kittle's second year type progression. Yeah, he, um, he's he signed through 2023, but there's only a 4.3 million dollar dead cap hit. If he's cut after 2020. Okay. Yeah, that's that's not much for for them to to move on from him. So right. I don't know. Like he he'll be 23 going in his third season. Like I could e- easily see him. Like they'll either keep it off and just you know have uh, Irv take over and Rudolph's just there as a bench player, or they'll, they'll move him. But I, I think he's 
takes over towards the end of this year and next year it's his show personally okay and we we spent a lot of time talking about a guy who's not even on the list so i will ask john (laughs) about about, uh, a couple of his rankings um you were the lowest on earth at at tight end seven in your rankings Why, why so low this is tough for me and a lot of the reports that people were coming up with, and some of it was just pure speculation. We heard about it last offseason. We heard about it this offseason. Well, the Eagles, due to cap concerns, they're probably going to move on. But now, again, we heard it last offseason. We're hearing it now. There could be the potential that he gets extended. And when he's healthy, yeah, he's not the big yards after catch monster, but he is a player, especially in any premium, which we've discussed countless times already, He's a guy that's going to rack up the targets. He's going to get those cheap 1.5, 2 PPR points. And for me, I it's looking at it, I know how difficult it is. So some of this might be perceived value for me for Ertz, but I know how difficult it is to move him in a league. Even if it's 2 PPR, it's really tough to get solid value in return. And I'm looking at the guys I have above him, Waller, Hooper, Engram, Andrews. They're still guys that I think could see a rise in value. Zach Ertz, he's not going to rise in value. So for me, the reason I had him a little bit lower, and I still love him as a football player, but for me, I have him there just because of the perceived value that I've seen in countless leagues. No, that makes sense. Like, and I think I talked about this on Junkies episode a couple of weeks ago. Like he has like out of the we'll say elite tight ends that that produces, like he has almost no trade value. Like because right. everyone's just waiting for that like but we've been waiting for a couple of years, but everyone's been waiting for Goddard to take over and it hasn't happened yet. Like he still keeps producing, but I think he's there for this year and at least next year, next year he has an $8 million cap hit. But um, if you look at the Eagles are already over 75 million over the cap that I don't know that they can like, and the savings only um, for him would only be 4 million. Like, I don't know that, it's going to make sense for them to move on from Ertz next year with their cap situation. So I think that he'll be there at least this year and next year. Then at that point, I think Goddard's a free agent at that point. So then it's, then it's, you never know what's going to happen at, at that point. So that's where I'm at with Ertz. Like I, I, I've been buying him because he's the cheapest of those top guys. I don't know. What do you think, Mitch? I saw you nodding your head over there a little bit. No, I completely agree. Um, with Ertz, he's a guy who's impossible to move, but you're really happy having him on your team. And we know when Ertz leaves, either Goddard is going to be the guy there, so his value is going to increase, or even if Goddard goes to a different team, his value is going to increase. It's just going to happen. And so I'm really high on Goddard for that reason. I'm also really high on Ertz. I think I have him at tight end six, just right underneath the other guys, but it's just because of his age more than anything. I think he's still going to produce this year. So if you have him on your team, I definitely would be like, oh, I need to go trade him right now. I would just write it out. Yeah, and uh, another another guy I wanted to ask uh, John about from his rankings is uh, is Hooper, who yeah. I think you were highest on at five. You're not – concerned about the the new team the 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 target hogs in in beckham and landry now hooper is one of those guys again just like i talked about with Ertz, he's not really going to do a lot after the catch but what we saw in atlanta he can demand a, a solid target share and now he's going into a kevin stefanski offense i know there's some concern 
well, we can't look at what Stefanski did in his one year as the OC in Minnesota because we, we don't know if he's going to bring that exact system and philosophy over to Cleveland. But if he does, that's a team that's going to utilize the tight ends. And Baker Mayfield, the, the expectation that I have for him this year is he's going to statistically, his numbers aren't going to be off the charts just because of the way that offense is going to be set up. But Baker is going to be more efficient, and that's going to be a result of use, using the tight ends. I think we're going to see David Njoku and Austin Hooper both get utilized in that offense. And Austin Hooper's 25 years old, and I feel like he's been in, this, in the league for 15 years. He's only 25. So, yeah, there is concern. If I could have picked a landing spot for him, it probably wouldn't have been Cleveland. I would have loved to have seen him stay in Atlanta, but – Cleveland, I don't think it's as bad of a spot as people think. Now, do I have Hooper tight end five for redraft? No. I could see him being that nine to 10 range here in 2020. But again, just looking at his, I think his value is going to be somewhat insulated. I know his perceived value is lower now, but his value could rise. Whereas I look at Zach Ertz, his is not going to rise. Hooper dogged my boy Witten last week, JB. He's dead to me. <laughs> oh, then I, have to, I have to raise him in my rankings. <laughs> And, and yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the, the, about the, the, you know, just the type of player he is. Like Peter Howard says, guys, the vacated targets don't exist. Players command targets. Right. So, and, and even if you're worried about the other target guys, there, I mean, I think they have an out on Landry after this year. Who knows what's going to happen with Odell? You know, you hear things that they don't love him there. So, um, anybody else? Any thoughts on Hooper? I'm not as low on Hooper as everyone else seems to be. I'm not. I'm not really panicking that his value is going to tank going to Cleveland. Like I'm not, I'm not loving him this year, but I'm not buying really any players switching teams with the COVID year and same with rookies, but I'm not, like he's still only 25. Like, like JB said, like in like all he's done is, is produced. And like he, he's, he's just a good tight end and he good, good players find a way to get, to get targets. And so I'm not, I'm not worried about him. Like I've bought him because everyone panicked for that, for him switching teams. I've got him pretty cheap all over. So I have quite a few shares and I'm not worried about it. And and Mitch can attest to this. The, the last two years, I've been accumulating shares of Austin Hooper. Like it was literally my job. And I said, I, I was the Hooper scooper. I was scooping up shares left and right. And I was getting him at a really good price. And then we saw his value skyrocket simply because of his production. But now it really came back down. So these are shares that I've had left over and then shares that I acquired at a reasonable price this off season, because Dustin, like you said, everybody hates Austin Hooper right now. Yep. I, I love yeah, that. He's had the such Hooper's a roller coaster. Here. Yeah. I love the Hooper. <laughs> he's had such a, like, I remember when he started producing everyone's like, Oh, like it's not real. It's because somebody's hurt. And then like that he did it two years in a row. Then anyone's like, Oh, Austin Hooper is like the greatest tight end. And then like, now they're like, oh no, I don't want Hooper anymore because he was just because it was just Atlanta. And like so, like it's just been really interesting. Like you've had prime selling and buying points, and he's only twenty five. Like you never see that value do that for somebody that young. But I, I love Hooper. So and, and I, let me I, say, I, I, go ahead. One last thing, I'm looking at my rankings. The players I have right under him: Waller, Ertz, Higby, Hunter Henry. Those are four guys that really. Uh, really effective and great fantasy assets, but there's a case to be made for all four of them where if something happens in 2020, their value could drop. 
And I do think Hooper, it's going to be slightly more insulated because of the age, because of the, yeah, he had a, a few injuries last year, but overall, I think he's a player that might be a little bit on the safer side when you look at those five players. I, I agree with this this the safe thing. If I could just add to that, Hooper's that he's just that hardworking dude that takes football seriously. He's been durable, he's been healthy, he's been out there. You know, that year before before his last year with Atlanta, he was literally living with Matty Ryan. You know, I see it read the reports there, just repping, repping, repping. He just wanted to be great at what he did. Goes to Cleveland. He spent a ton of time with Baker this offseason. So I mean, he's he's dedicated to his craft. He's a reliable guy. I think you have a very safe pick at wherever you rank him there. Definitely. And uh, another interesting thing I noted from the rankings is there there was a little bit of a division along uh, 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 podcast lines here on a couple of guys that I thought was interesting. All three of you have uh, Waller significantly ranked higher than me or Dustin does. M- Mitch, sell, sell me on, on Waller for Dynasty, not for 2020. That, he's, he has the talent. I mean, there's no doubt that the talent is there. He had his substance abuse issues that, you know, kind of cratered the early part of this year, but that's all fixed now. So if you look at the Raiders themselves, who is their touchdown scoring guy? They really don't have one. I mean, they have Tyrell Williams on the outside. Maybe Brian Edwards becomes it at some point. Um, Ruggs is going to be in the slot. Hunter Renfro is never going to be a touchdown guy. And they need you know, Jacobs is going to be carrying the ball out of the backfield. And so Waller, although I think his targets are going to come down this year, I think he's still going to have the touchdown upside each week, even though he had like a long stretch last year to where he didn't score a touchdown. I do think he is going to have more opportunity for that to happen. And so that's why I have him higher because all these guys, I mean, we could have an argument from anyone from five to eight. I have Waller a little bit higher because I think his upside is that much higher. And I'm actually really, really high in this Raiders offense. Everybody hates it but they have an absolutely elite offensive line, probably top three offensive line this year. You get hate on Derek Carr, but he doesn't throw interceptions, and so he's not going to hurt the team that way. I really think the Raiders are going to take off this year, and I think Waller's going to be a big reason for that. I have Waller at six, so I love him as well. To play devil's advocate, my only concern, there is zero dead cap after 2020. So yes, he got the contract extension, but it does seem like John Gruden likes him. And John Gruden's one of those coaches that he wants his guys on the team. Is Derek Carr one of his guys? I I don't know. Doubtful. But I do think Darren Waller is. But that cap concern, that's my only issue. But still, Waller's taken off. And, dude, 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 I think Darren Waller is the guy in Oakland. Like, I mean, he's a wide receiver playing tight end. And that's not going to change. You know, this year I love him. You know, you got a COVID year. All this talent in Oakland is very young. So there's going to be a learning curve there. So I think they're going to still rely on Waller early. And there's not a lot of tread on his tires for being a little bit, you know, a little bit older at the tight end position, you know, late 20s there. I think there's a lot of good years in him. And I think he's an elite tight end. I mean, the, the film, he just pops off the screen there as far as, you know, what he's capable of doing. So I don't see that going away in the next few years. And if you want to win now, I think you want to have Darren Waller on your roster. Okay, Dustin, tell them why why they have him too high. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I had I had Waller at eleven. Um, yeah, pretty pretty low. <laughs> That's pretty As low. did I, by the way. As did I, by the way. Good thing I'm sitting um, down here. See, I I agree with everything. Mitch said, and that's why I re I, I dropped him a little bit. Like I see the receptions going down, and like I hate depending on tight ends or uh, touchdowns as, as something that's going to create, create value 
mm-hmm. for a position at any position um, because it's the hardest stat to predict. And so with seeing where his touchdown production went last season towards the second half of the season and all the weapons they brought in, like I still think he'll be good. And like, I just don't know that he's, he's not going to get the targets that you're going to want to see. And I don't know. And I, I just don't want to rely on the touchdowns. Cause I think that's, that's really going to be the only thing that he has. And like, but you make good points that, you know, they don't have any other, anyone else to catch, to catch touchdowns. Like when they get in the red zone, like he's going to be like the, the target, especially with, with Derek Carr. Like he's not a, he's not a guy that's going to like, you know, throw it to the back of the end zone and, and, and find his receiver. He's going to get, get it to, to our, his big target, but I just don't like banking on touchdowns. So that's why I'm a little bit lower on him. Especially yeah, Foster Moreau's a little banged up still. I was because he was vulturing touchdowns. I was just <laughs> gonna say the Foster Moreau disrespect. That's right. I was waiting for that. And I was waiting. I'm for not that. really worried about Foster Moreau. Like, I'm not <laughs> he, really he's a threat in the end zone, though. He really is. He, he is. And, um, and this Waller touchdown thing. I mean, that's all projection. I mean, he had three touchdowns last year. That's true. It really is. It's a projection, but it's. I'm that high on the Raiders' offense this year. I think everybody is sleeping on them. They're. Everyone hated them last year. Remember, they were the worst team in the league. They were going to be awful. Then all of a sudden, they went, I think, 8-8, eight and eight, and they were okay. And now they brought in all the playmakers they meet, they need to make that offense work because they were planning on Antonio Brown last year, and he just left them. So I think the sky's the limit for that offense this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if the receptions are still there. You know, I, I love rugs. I love Edwards. But they're still rookies. This isn't, you know, when you get to week one, you're not getting vanilla coverages and, you know, just, you know, making nice catches on air. There are going to be times where they're going to have trouble finding separation and learning how to play in the National Football League. And a, and a quarterback's going to go to his safety blanket, and that's going to be Darren Waller. So I, I think at least for this year, we might be surprised with his receptions. And, and that's And that's what I want to see. Like, I think that they, like, I, I kind of think that that Waller got receptions out of necessity because Antonio Brown left. Tyrell was banged up. Like didn't have anybody else. Renfro came on slow. Like, like your your one and two were Tyrell and Hunter Renfro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I think like he got targets out of necessity. And now they went and they got, you know, they got Edwards and Ruggs, and then they went and got Bowden, who was like gonna be all over the field. So I just don't know what that's going to mean for Waller. And that is my, my concern is just like, like we, like Goddard and Ertz last year were both great, but they had nobody else on the field. Like, I want to see that with a full healthy team. And then with all the weapons they added, I just don't know where Waller fits into that. And that's, so that's what, that's why I'm not boosting him up there. Cause I think six is his ceiling. Like you buy him at six, like you need him to hit at six value. Like, and that's my concern. That, and that's with, why, I'm sorry, John, you can go. I'm loving this conversation. (laughs) And like every time you guys say something, I'm like, Oh shit, I got to talk about this now. (laughs) Um, But looking at our projections and just, I keep looking off screen at just the projections here. I don't want you guys to think like, Oh, this guy's an asshole. He's not paying attention, (laughs) but I'm looking at it. I know, I know, but I don't want you to think it because of this. (laughs) <laughs> so looking at our projections, we have a really conservative, Mitch and I, we put it together, 62 receptions for Waller. So it's not like we actually don't even have him remotely close to that 90 reception mark, but it still puts him right in that seven to eight range. So again, looking at Hooper, where I have him as five and Waller at six, I, I just think that even conservatively, 
he's somebody that we can count on. And what is he, 27 years old? Dan's acting like he's getting the shovel out to start burying this guy. <laughs> Not that, That's my other th- with Dustin. What going back to what Dustin said, I that's my thing with the two. And I actually agree with Mitch that I, I like this offense, but that's that's kind of like what I said about Denver earlier. That's part of what concerns me is they added so many more players. That, that what does that mean for a while? And like you said, you have him going down a lot, but unless he ups that touchdown production, what, what does that mean for him? So uh, that's, and, and then I am also, again, back to the point you said yourself, Sean, earlier is that they have an out after this year. I'm not sure what he is beyond 2020, especially because then Dan made a good point about how they're, you know, they're all young. So maybe we can't expect a ton from them, but next year, uh, I, if the Waller's even there, you know, maybe Edwards as, as you know, bypassed him. Ruggs has bypassed him as a main portion of the offense. So that's why as a dynasty guy, I, I have him for, for 2020. I, I can see the, the five, six, seven range you guys have him in, but for, that's why for dynasty, I'm with Dustin and having him more towards the bottom end of the top 12. That We're agreeing is- way too much on this, on this podcast. <laughs> and I don't like it. Like we never agree. And I don't I know. like this the whole time. That's what a dynasty theory team does. We bring people together (laughs) to to hate on our takes. But let me ask you, sorry, let me jump in real quick, John, because I have to ask this. I know how you two talk about it. It's a completely different player, but how we all, I mean, Ingram is right around tight end four for everybody, right? Like just across the industry, he's tight end four. Are either of you willing to draft him there? Because we're not willing to draft him at four or even at six where Dan has him. No. (laughs) exactly right (laughs) but that's because generally like you said i'm like we talked about earlier i'm generally going for one of those top three guys and then ingram's you know that injury thing is such a concern that i can't he's it's a totally different drop down of a tier there and i'm i'm generally not dipping into that mid-tier like we talked about earlier i'll i'll go more that that 13 14 you know get irv or or get you know uh, higby or something like that later um so yeah, I generally would not be drafting Irv. I mean, I'm sorry, Evan Ingram at a four in a startup either, even though I think I had him right there as well. It's either four or five. Yeah. But in all reality, like outside the top three, like all the guys from four to like 10, 11, 12, they're all in one tier. Like right. Right. we're literally splitting Harris trying to get any of these guys. They're, they're all they all have the same questions, like they all have the same upside, but they're all like you know, we have to find. We have to nitpick at this point because they're all. Once you draft Kittle, and then you don't need to nitpick. <laughs> exactly. That's my whole point. <laughs> all right, next here, draft I will try it. So one yeah, one I'll last thing it. on Waller that I want to get in here. While there is that concern with the contract, just like we talked about with drafting quarterbacks and being able to predict the top twelve. I think as a community, we always try to think we're ahead of the curve and we know what teams are going to do with contract situations, but especially in, in the times that we're living in now, it's making it that much more difficult to predict. And we might think, okay, this team's going to move on. And then the week after they, they extend them or, or vice versa. So I just think it's a, it's a risky proposition to think that we know exactly what these teams are going to do. But then if you ask me five minutes from now about another player, I'll say, Oh, this is exactly where they're going to do. So that's a great point. I, I've heard the, I've mentioned this before. I've heard the narrative about Ertz being, you know, the Eagles having an out on Ertz for like two and a half years and yep. and they, they, they extended them, you know, not too long ago. So uh, that's a very good point. Well, and 
dynasty players, we get caught up in narrative on everything. Like we can make a narrative on anything and then we run with it. Like I can make a narrative and I was on the open bar and I got a lot of heat for it on why I have DK Metcalf over Tyler Lockett in that. And like, but I had the narrative on it and Rocky didn't like it, but like, you know, we, we just get so like in depth on like our narratives. Uh, Like we can make a narrative on any of these guys and, and run with it. So that's, what's great about this game. We're dying for new information. I made a joke in our one group chat. I said a player report could come out that they had a bad bowel movement. And we'd be like, oh, we have to adjust our rankings because of that, because we're just dying for information. Yep. And the other guy that um, that you guys were higher on than both Dustin and I were, and we brought him up earlier, was uh, Tyler Higby. So, uh, who Dan, you, you, you want to go into why we should be higher on Tyler Higby? This is just the coach of me here. You know, I loved watching him on film the, the, the late last year, guys. I mean, he really popped. And I'm also starting to get a little bit higher on the Rams offense going into, uh, you know, the season opener in a few weeks here. I'm starting to look at where I could get a little bit more Goff and Cup and Bobby Woods. And and I, and I even like Gerald Everett a little bit. You know, I see him use, using those two tight ends. And I think there's enough receptions in that offense to go along or to go around. So Higby, I just – he passed the eye test. I think he's going to continue to produce this year. And I think our last show, guys, what Sam Holt liked Higby three years ago. So we have a Sam Holt theory in there too, as well. It's just, it just took <laughs> him a little while to, to break out and get the opportunity. But when he had the opportunity, he seized it and he was awesome last year. So I expect that to keep going. What was the name given for the next breakout? I don't remember what, what she said. She said Chase Claypool, and then she also said, right. and, and she took it this way, but she was like, I'm trying to think of a way to describe it without sounding sexual. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Right <laughs> yeah, so so I'm kind of like with what Dustin said earlier. It, it was a pretty small sample size, what we saw from Higby, and 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 Everett was the guy that looked like he was going to break out earlier in the year, and, and Everett should be back healthy. So I'm just a little wary of it. Uh, Higby does have the contract, though, to argue against my own point. He's got the extension. Everett's going to be a free agent. But uh, Dustin, any other thoughts on why why Higby should be lower? Just same same reasons. Like I, I just he hasn't really shown anything until those four games, and that was only when Everett got hurt. So I just want to see like, yes, he looked really good at the end of the season. Like he looked great on film. He put up great numbers. I just want to see it. Like I just don't know what that team's going to look like when the, both of them are healthy and I want to see them coexist or I want to see it like, cause we've never seen it until, until there was another injury in front of him. And that's just, I don't like buying guys that got playing time when somebody else got hurt. Now there's other reasons like they switched to 12 personnel and things like that. But I, I just want to see that. Like I want to see him beat out Everett and, and get the targets from day one. And we're running pretty long, and already uh, still haven't gotten to our find me a trade segment. But but I I'll still take have... the blame there. I I talk a lot. <laughs> well, and we hey, we've had a lot of good debate. We've had yeah, a lot of good. Back we, and forth. we got five people in here, so. <laughs> but I did want to ask one more question, and then we'll, so real quick, Dan, um, you were the only one who had Hayden Hurst or Johnu Smith. So just talk about those two guys real quick. Yeah, I mean, we all talked about all these guys falling in the same tier here. And and believe me, in Dynasty, you know, I had to put in their honorable mention, Irv Smith, TJ Hawkinson, but I also want to win now. So I think there's upside there. I like, you know, Hurst, I think he was just 
you know, the subject of being stuck with Mark Andrews and Andrews is just a superstar. So I think this is a good fit for him. You know, I think he's going to produce this year. I think he fits in that offense. We know they feature the tight end. And then John, who John was kind of like just that quiet under the radar guy that, you know, Delaney Walker's gone. And there's that little part of me that sees this Titans offense just evolving just a little bit outside of Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. And I don't think it's going to be Corey Davis. I think it's going to be John O. Smith. I think they're just three beasts. I think he's the guy no one's talking about. And he's 12th on my list for dynasty tight end. So I don't think it's that far of a reach as much as I love like someone like Irv. And I know Hawkinson's that complete player we're talking about. But John O. just feels right. And again, watching game film, when he gets that ball in open space, he is gone, man. He is an athletic dude. So I'm really just interested to see how he could evolve this year. So I'm going to ask you a question. So you see, like, his value is up because Delaney Walker has gone. Delaney's been gone for the last two years before this season. Like, so why now all of a sudden? Ryan Tannehill and not Marcus Mariota. I just think the Titans are competing, and I just think he's going to be the next guy for targets after uh, A.J. Brown. So, again, we, we look at that window of tight ends where it takes a little bit longer for them to break out. I'm thinking now is his time. And again, no, when I, I say break out, I'm not saying top five tight end. I just think out of that second tier of guys, I think he slides in there for me as a guy that could help a roster this year. Yeah, he had three games with four receptions last year. So he's definitely a guy I'm going to go out, you know, put my top 12 tight ends this year. Yeah, <laughs> They've got to evolve. It can't just be Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown every single game, man. So oh, it's all Derrick Henry, up. dude. <laughs> the Titans have got to, you know, do something extra. And I, I just think John is going to be the guy, guy to get that. He's a workout warrior. He's explosive. He's number 12. You're crucifying me for number 12. Come on now. <laughs> no, I, I love John, but I, I just, I, I agree with kind of what Mitch said. Like, I, I think that team's just going to run until they can't run anymore. And then they'll figure out something at that point. Like I, like we saw it in the playoffs. Like, what was it like? Tannehill had like 12, 12 attempts in one game or something like that. Like they're just going to go – like there may be games where they – if they're ahead, like they have a decent enough defense, they're just going to they're just gonna run the ball and pound, pound the ball. That I, I don't know that he's going to be consistent, but I do love Jonu as a talent. And I will record, remember this conversation. For the record, Dan, I hope, <laughs> I hope you're right. I, we, it seems like we've been waiting for right. Jonu breakout forever, yeah. so it would be nice to see. But uh, so now we'll finally move on to our find me a trade segment of the show. Find me a trade. And this week we're doing something a little different. I wanted to stick with the tight end theme. So I used actually one of my only. So we will actually be finding me a trade. So uh, the roster is submitted by me. It's a 10 team, two QB, two tight end, half PPR. Uh, league there's bonuses for long touchdowns at the all, all, at all positions either over 40 or over 80 uh, 26 man roster so not too deep and again only 10 teams and you start two of everything QBs RBs wide receivers tight end and flex so two and uh, Dustin well let me just say it's an orphan I took over in 2018 been trying to compete the last couple of years but there's a couple really strong teams so it's made i did make the playoffs both years but six teams make it so that's not my much of an accomplishment and <laughs> but it's made it difficult so i'm not really sure what to do with this team so i thought it'd be a good team to throw on the show and see what the guys come up with um dustin why don't you go over my roster and tell me how how, how mediocre it is and then we can move on to the trades so uh <laughs> first thing you need to do is change your team name I don't. I think all of us will be on the show. Philly, Philly is not a good team name. So tra changing your team name at the beginning. But um, 
So quarterback, you have you have a lot of quarterbacks. You have Dalton, Herbert, Mariota, Baker, Cam, Dak, and Tyrod. Yeah, I'm not sure how that happened. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, at a running back, you have Eckler, Justin Jackson, Sony. You have like Bo Scarborough, Boston Scott, Daryl Williams. Um, you have at running or wide receiver, you have John Brown, T.Y. Hilton, Alshon, Deontay, Debo, D.D., Mike Williams, Tyrell, and then like Demarcus Robinson. You have Brian Edwards, T. Higgins, and Antonio Gandy Golden on your taxi. And at tight end, you have Andrews, um, Fells, uh, Gasecki, and Hooper. So, what? Me looking at your team, I don't think you're, especially in a 10-team league, I don't think you're really that close to contending. Like, I, I, I really don't like your running back room. And your wide receiver room. I don't disagree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your wide receiver room, like, Hilton, we don't know what to expect. Alshon, we don't know what to expect. Deontay, we, we, there's a lot of questions. Like, there's a lot of hype, but we don't know what to expect. Like, Mike Williams, like, eh. Like he's he's serviceable. Like Debo, he like he's injured. We don't know what to expect. So like I just feel like at running back and wide receiver, you just have a lot of questions. I, I love your tight end room. So Andrews, Hooper, and, and Gasecki, like in a two tight end, like that's fantastic to have. And your and your quarterbacks are fine. Um, but I don't think that you're really that close to contending, especially in a ten team league. Um, so my trade was you moving on some of those older assets and um, I would sell Hilton and Alshon, which is 181.1 on the Dynasty Trade Analyzer, to Bayside High Tigers for Slayton, Hines, and Edmonds. Now, like I love, I think Slayton is going to be a really good talent, and I think like he's going to help your wide receiver room. He's not the elite talent that I think you need in a ten-team league, but I think he's a guy that is going to increase in value. And all the, all three of the guys that the targets on there were guys that I think that you like. My trade was make the trade to get assets that you can then move on. Like I love Edmonds. Like I've talked about a whole bunch on the show. Like I think Edmonds is, is going to be very serviceable, like in your flex spot and like, he'll have some big weeks. And I think Heinz will have some sneaky value this year as well. So I think getting those two assets will give you players that you can trade for picks um, to contenders like later on in the season and getting Slayton. I think Slayton is going to be a great wide receiver two, three for your team. Um, and I don't know what Hilton and Alshon are really going to bring to your team in the future. So I just like with the way your team is, I want to move those older assets for, for younger assets that are going to potentially increase in value because Hilton and Alshon are going to, they're only going to decrease in value. They're never going to increase. Like we talked about some of the players earlier, like Ertz, he's never going to increase. Same with these two. Yeah. I kind of like that one. Cause I, I don't really want either of those older wide receivers on my team either. And just for the record, I told the guys in the, in the DM, I'm going to throw all these out there, regardless of whether I like them or not, just to see what happens, because what the hell. But, um, yeah, I mean, and I'm looking at the other guy's roster. He doesn't have great receivers either, uh, so it, it might depend what he thinks about these older guys. He might not want to give up Slayton. Uh, he can certainly afford to lose the running backs. He's okay there. So, And he looks like he has enough that he could probably be in the running this year. So I, I think it's a decent trade. I would I – would, I'd actually be happy if I could get anything for those two guys at this point. So I think it's a pretty good deal. Uh, That's why I packaged like Alshon with Hilton. Like some people out there still think Hilton's going to be great this year. Like I'm not one of those guys. Like I'm trying to sell Hilton anywhere that I can. That's why I, I packaged Alshon with Hilton. So, cause nobody's buying Alshon on a, on his own. So I think like to move a player like that, you have to package him with, with, with another deal or with another player. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so, John, why don't we move on to your trade? Trying to you know move along a little faster here. <laughs> well, if you want to move faster, I don't know if I'm the first one you want to go to here, but I'm gonna I'll try to speed it up a little bit for your audience's sake. Looking at your team, ten teams, you need those high end assets. You really do, and you have a strong quarterback room. You have some solid depth there, and while it is two quarterback, I, I you, you need to start taking chances here, and you have some guys that could get some temporary value during the season. Dalton, Mariota, Tyrod, I, I think you could move him after two or three games, and that's a move I would look to make there. But then the trade that I picked for you, and looking at those two teams you mentioned, they're, they're stacks, Saquon, Chubb, Zeke, Mixon, MT, uh, Ertz, Hunter Henry, and then Lamar Jackson, Goff, McCaffrey, Swift, Sanders, Godwin. <laughs> they are loaded in a 10-team league. So one trade that I liked for you potentially – and looking at the one trade partner, they have two quarterbacks. They have Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. And despite, I, I like those two quarterbacks plenty, and I have them across my portfolio, but in a true two-quarterback league, you need more than just two quarterbacks. So the trade that I am proposing, and this can go two different directions. It all depends on how they feel about one certain player. But I would look to package Mike Kosicki, Baker Mayfield, and Sony Michelle, who everybody loves Sony Michelle, for J.K. Dobbins, Christian Kirk, and Jay Sternberger. And then if that's a no-go, Mayfield and Gasicki for Dobbins and Jace. And I, I um Dustin talked about some of those older assets. I would I'm fine with that direction, but I just don't know how much you're gonna get for those older assets right now. That's probably a middle of the season move, like I talked about with some of the quarterbacks potentially. But I would do anything in my power to get J.K. Dobbins off of that that manager. Yeah, I love that one as well. I, I, it gets my team younger. Um, it's a little, you know, Gasecki is third out of my tight ends anyway, and and maybe Sternberger can take the jump this year. And and you're totally speaking with my language with trading a quarterback. Uh, you know, trading. Uh, I have four quarterbacks, so trading one. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm the weight on quarterback guy and, and trade down from quarterback guy. I love getting JK Dobbins back. Uh, I like that a lot. Anybody else, any thoughts on that trade before we move on now? Okay. I, 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 I do want to say, I don't know if it's going to get accepted, but yeah. you gotta, you gotta keep me updated because I hope yeah. it does. It's probably going to depend about how he feels about having two quarterbacks. So I'm with you. I, yep. Uh, in, in a super flex league, I'm kind of okay having just two quarterbacks, especially after the quality of Ryan and Wentz. But but in a in a two quarterback league, it's it's a lot rougher to you know to take that zero a couple week at least a couple weeks a year, assuming the two guys stay healthy. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna go to Dan next because there's there's a lot to unpack in these notes yeah. here. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna uh, go through that and. <laughs> I, I will simplify it for you. Maybe not as specific as JB or Mitch is going to be because I, I think you're just going to spam your league after this. As yeah. I break down your roster, you know, buddy, you, you and I are on the same page with Dak and Cam. There, I, I'm going to ball. I'm I'm going to war with your quarterback room every, any day there. So I love what you have constructed. I love Mark Andrews. I think this is an exciting year for him. If his snap count goes up, you got yourself an elite dude there. And we talked about you know having Jacecki and Hooper, so you have good depth. I see what you're doing in the receiver room. You know, obviously you're going to try to, you know, make some upgrades here and there, but there's, there's talent there. The running back room, I like Eckler, but after that, I am selling my soul to try to get at least a number two running back, if not, a, you know, a third one added to your squad. So to, to improve that there, 
you know, I, I mentioned in my notes, trade and bake, you know, and, and or, you know, both charger quarterbacks. I'm just whatever it takes to fix that running back situation. And I think I might even move Deontay Johnson. You know, I, like, I agree with Dustin wanting to trade Alshon Jeffrey, but I've got him in one league and I cannot get anything for him. Hilton, you know, I could see the theory in trading him, but he's even tough to get what you want in return for him. I think the Colts are going to have a very good team this year. So I would just wait on Hilton until he breaks out and hopefully that stock rises a little bit. So for today, I'm saying you're moving one or two quarterbacks. You're moving Deontay Johnson. Move a tight end if you have to. You've got assets to move that are appealing. And if I've got to be specific here, Adam Thielen might be like the most attainable guy I saw that could really boost you at the receiver position because he's got an old quarterback there in Brady, and I think you could save his life from ever having to start Nick Foles. But I would just be targeting all 10 teams, go after all their running backs, <laughs> offer those assets, and get the best deal you could get. Like So you're putting out like five, six offers tonight, just unloading those guys and seeing what the best running backs you could get. Because if you improve that running back room, You've you've got a team that could contend just being a you know a team that you took over just a, a couple years ago. So you're you're rebuilding pretty quick. So kudos to you, man. But try to stack like Cooper or Gallup, maybe you know with Dak there, and that that would make me happy. <laughs> that would make me happy too. Okay, yeah, I guess uh, I'm just yeah. I don't, uh, maybe if I get the running back, I'm I'm just not sure. Like John mentioned, he ran down those those two teams. That's just the thing that scares me is mm-hmm. is going after a running back and then and then I still fall short of those guys again. Um, but we'll get into Mitch's here, uh, to finish it up. So Mitch, why don't you go? So the problem is your team isn't bad enough to get a top three pick. Like your team is all is going to make the playoffs, whether you sell a couple of your mid tier guys or not. So I think if you're in that position, you might as well try to get paid while you're doing it. So your running back room is obviously the issue. It's why we're all trying to hit running backs in Austin Eckler is your best one. So I try to find the running back that everyone kind of hates, and that's David Montgomery. So what I said is you could trade Austin Hooper, Mike Williams, and a 2021 second for Irv Smith. You know, Irv Smith's going to be hard to get. But I think actually David Montgomery would be the easier guy to get on this team because no one really likes him. And that's the running back you could get who could give you instant volume every single week of the season. But nobody wants him because everybody hates the Bears offensive line and they hate just David Montgomery himself, I guess. So he was the one running back I could see that could be attainable that you could actually keep on your team for a couple of years because the problem is you can't really blow this team up. There's no way to make it a bottom three team compared to some of the other teams in the league. So you're just stuck in the middle. If I'm stuck in the middle, I'm going to make a shot and try to – I won't sell my first, but I'll sell my 2021 second in a heartbeat because who knows what those second-round picks are going to be next year. So if I could add that and if the person finds value out of it, I'm more than happy to move it. And I think I actually I forget if it's two or three seconds in that league, so I actually have an extra second to spare. And the only and and I don't I don't love any of the guys you're trading away from my team. The only problem is I'm one of those guys who hates David Montgomery. So. See, <laughs> right? <laughs> but at least you get the value out of it. And right now there is no other running back on your team besides Austin Eckler that's going to give you anything weak. Right. And I hear you as your RB too. He's not awful. And, and you actually kind of make a good point there. Like I said, I, I kind of feel like maybe it needs to be blown up. And I even put this in the notes on the show sheet, but I'm, I don't have a ton that's worth selling that I want to sell. Like I have Dak and I have Andrews and I, you know, but I don't want to sell those guys. So um, it, maybe it does make sense just to, you know, throw, you know, throw a guy, you know, these, 
okay-ish guys for, for an okay-ish running back and see what happens, maybe. So like I said, uh, and most of these aren't mutually exclusive, so I, I could probably throw a whole bunch of these out there tonight and see what happens. So uh, I mean, I'll, you I, get Earth Smith in the deal, too. Like, Earth know, Smith's the Earth. 12 tight end. Yeah, yeah the, the guy that they didn't have on their list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the top 12 guy that I don't have. <laughs> Okay, so that's the end of Find Me a Trade, and we're running long, but I don't care. I debated whether I was going to do this or not, but I figured, what the hell? I'm looking at these five faces. It gives me a bit of an open bar feel. Dustin does not even know this is coming. I want to have a draft of the lead characters and relate them to a current tight end. Oh, Oh, I got to Google I was gonna say, don't you have to know the lead <laughs> character? Yeah, there's only gonna be like we got five of us. Um, all right, well, what's the draft order? I mean, I got one. Okay, then you get the 101. So I'm gonna go with Ruxin and Zach Ertz. Because Ruxin's a guy that like is super annoying and just like like ever talking about Ertz or anything like he's super annoying, like to talk about, to think about, to like move, to have on your roster because you can't train for anything. Like, so to me, Ruxin is the Zach Ertz. Um, most of you guys aren't going to get that yet. Cause it's still a little early for Ruxin, but you know, I think JB will get, get that. Um, but Ruxin also has a really hot wife and so does Zach Ertz. So it kind of works <laughs> together. <laughs> And I actually like that. And, and, and yeah, I get that Rux is annoying. And by the way, Dan and Mitch should not have to Google. You should have watched at least a couple episodes. So <laughs> I didn't know their name. You want the 102, Dan? Rocky, you got to give me 102 because I don't have much tonight. So if you don't give me the 102, I'm not going to give you anything good for your show. All right. Okay. I'll give you the 102. So, so I appreciate that. I owe you one. So, you know, I'm going to go with the sexy pick. You know, again, I only cheated and looked at cliff notes, which I enjoyed watching those couple clips. But per Mitch's point, doing a Google search, I'm looking at, and I'm probably even pronouncing this wrong, Shiva, Shiva. Shiva. She looked like the sexy pick. So I'm going to steal Mitch's thunder and take George Kittle, who's the sexy pick. So Shiva to George Kittle. Sexy pick all the way. That, oh, that's fantastic. I like that actually. Uh, Shiva was in the first season that I did watch, so that that that's not a bad Just one. And, wait till you get later, Shiva. Like yeah. uh, more Shiva. Shiva. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Shiva's like he was in the yeah. finale of episode. That's as far as I got. Um, so John, you're gonna get the 103 since you actually know about the league and Mitch doesn't. <laughs> all right. So this is a stretch, I think, but I'm gonna go with Andre and. For me, he's that guy that he he really does exude confidence and he thinks he's so much cooler and so much better than he is. And he has that arrogance to him, but really nobody likes him because he's a little too much. This year it's Rob Gronkowski. He just, he, he, he thinks I'm the shit. He's going to go out there. He's going to disappoint fantasy football managers left and right. And he is going to shit the bed this year. So Andre, uh, Rob Gronkowski, he's going to have trades this year. That, that is <laughs> the guy who thinks he's better than he is. <laughs> there you go. And and Mitch and Dan, the uh, the trades joke, you'll get that if you continue to watch. 
Yeah, I, I, I haven't gotten that far either, so I guess I'll get that eventually too. Oh <laughs> man, I get it. Somebody, I gave you three picks to get some. Yeah, so I'm good. So I had time to scroll. So we go with Megan Eckhart, right? Because of course she's the star of the show. <laughs> and I'm go with Evan Ingram because they just disappear. Like they're there and they're the star of the show, right? And they're gone. Nice. So, yep, Evan Ingram. <laughs> that, that first episode with her was a little crazy. She's great. Yeah, great and sexy there. The, the, the finger in the booty, like you know, you know that the whole the whole thing is, you know, yeah. She <laughs> she, she makes it come back. Yeah, that's good. And, and the funny thing is, I get the one hundred five, and I'm going to go with another woman. Actually, so we've had three women in this league draft. <laughs> um, but I, I believe it's Jenny. Jenny is Kevin's yeah. wife, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And, and she's kind of you know, she's she's really good at what she does. You know, she she knows her fantasy stuff. She's very good, but Kev- Kevin's the guy out in front that everyone's aware of. So Kevin's kind of like the Zach Ertz to Jenny's Dallas Goddard. She, she, she's just as good, if not even better, maybe eventually. But she uh, she doesn't get the credit that Kevin does because Kevin's Kevin's the face of the franchise there. So I'm going Jenny at the 105 as Dallas Goddard. I that like winds it. up our draft. That's, and- that's a good one. Yep. <laughs> I really like that one. <laughs> so... Um, I want to thank you guys again for coming on. Um, I guess if you guys just want to, you know, give all your Twitter handles, we'll start with you, John, and, you know, pump the pot. If you have anything else going on, free free to mention that, and, and then we'll sign off. So go ahead, John. First of all, this was an absolute blast. And I, again, so thank you for having us on. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer club, follow dynasty theory at dynasty theory, FF on Twitter, and Instagram, Mitch and I, we just released a little preview, trailer, promo, whatever you want to call it. We're going to be kicking off another podcast with uh, Troy and Linda. I'm sure we've been blasting the crap out of that promo. Um, but that that's Fantasy Football Confidential, at FF underscore Confidential on Twitter and Instagram. It's going to be a very different feel from Dynasty Theory, where Dynasty Theory is obviously Dynasty-centric. Fantasy Football Confidential is going to hit on the broader... Um, uh, concept of fantasy football and some, uh, you know, I think more in-depth conversations on various topics. So we're really excited to kick that off. Okay, Mitch. Yeah, just everything John said, but I'm at, <laughs> at DynamoMC instead of at the Bauer Club. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> and Dan, I want to give your Twitter handle and anything else you, you want to put out there? Yeah, man, the FF Coach Dan on Twitter. You know, obviously with these guys here uh, Monday nights, soon to be Tuesday nights during the NFL season on Dynasty Theory, and then probably about a week or two away from kicking off uh, In the Money uh, DFS podcast with Justin from the Father's Son, get my DFS fix, and uh, had a great time tonight, guys. Thank you. That sounds great. I'm a fan of, fan of you guys and a fan of Justin, so I'll be interested in hearing that. Nobody's a fan of Justin. Come on. Now, Paul, <laughs> Paul, Paul yeah. is that. Paul's He's awesome. Yeah. Paul carries the ship. <laughs> That's fair. But it was great having you guys on. I agree. It was definitely a blast. Uh, just uh, to remind everybody, uh, our Twitter handles, I'm at Dynasty FF Addict. Dustin's at Dynasty Junkie FF. The pod is at Dynasty Junkies. Please give us a subscribe, rate, and review if you like what you heard. Do the same for the DAP Network, which you can follow on Twitter, at DAP underscore network. Uh, so much fun tonight. Hope you come back next week to listen again. That'll do it. Thanks for listening. Junkies out. <laughs>